0: And now for something completely machinima. Hello and welcome to And Now for Something Completely Machinima. I am your host for this week's discussion, Phil Rice. With me is Damian Valentine. Hello. Tracy Harwood. Hello. And Ricky Grove. Hi there, everyone. So this is our favorite type of episode, I think. It's... it's pretty much unanimous. Yes, this is where yes. we talk about machinima films that we like. Uh, some some weeks we do this as a uh, around some kind of a theme. Uh, this time we just kind of just said, find what you like and bring it along. So Tracy's going to start us off, and it's actually interesting. Tracy's first pick here is uh, made in Star Citizen, which we talked about, and uh, Damien talked about CitizenCon in the last episode. Uh, yes. I found this one Really impressive and excited to hear more about it. So, Tracy, go ahead.
1: Yeah, sure. Well, yes, fascinating that, um, Damien, you were just talking about this. This one's called Adrift, um, uh, and it's episode one by uh, a little company called Barely Not Monkeys Productions.
2: (laughs)
3: Made
1: (laughs) made in Star Citizen, released uh, on the 22nd of September, so it's only just out. Um, it was made, uh, using, uh, money, um, it was made using money raised through Patreon. Um, and the, the, the tagline of this, uh, little production company is, is, uh, along the lines of, we might blow up along the way. So it's lucky that we're, we are barely not monkeys. I don't really know <laughs> what that means, but the, you know, it sounds like there's uh, kind of a backstory to that. Anyway, um, star citizen uh as as Damien sort of said is this kind of fully realized universe um and what's really interesting and again we touched on this in the in the last episode is that one of the technologies that it includes is this um face over internet protocol which basically tracks your facial expressions and mimics them onto your uh, character in the game uh and in this particular uh a film. What you what you see is that the actors' faces have been captured um, in in the performances um, that you see in the film. Now it's a, it's the first one of a four part mini series um, where basically you've got these. I'll, I'll I'll talk a little bit about the, the plot because I think it's worth doing that. Um, yeah. Where you where you've got these sort of space faring miners. Um, this young lady Pearl and her father Emmett. Who stumble on this uh wrecked vessel um and their search for survivors basically um results in this horrific accident, which is basically the start of the of the film uh and the end of it um and uh you know it kind of I, I don't know what you guys think, but to me this was this was kind of really well acted um uh, the, the the character, the girl character is played by um somebody called Ginger Gonzaga, who's um an actor, a writer, a director. She's best known uh for her role in Christie uh on the Duplass brothers Togetherness, which is an uh, on HBO uh among a few other things. Um she was also uh in Seth MacFarlane's uh 20 2012. Uh, comedy um Ted. Um so she's not an inexperienced um actor by any means. And Emmett, the other um character in this, the the, the male father character, is voiced by somebody called Ben Dickey. Uh and he's just been in um a film uh well the latest retelling of the Billy the Kid story called The Kid. Um so he's also not inexperienced, he's also a musician. Um and what I really like about this particular film is the way these characters in the film are developed and the relationship that you see unfolding between the father and daughter. So for me, the voice acting is excellent, um, but so is the soundscape design. It's got pace and um, moves through the story with enough speed to keep you entertained, um, all carried by the characters themselves, which actually is, is pretty rare in machinima, I think. Um I, it's got a nice bit of suspense with it. Um, this really powerful start, where this um, female character, as I said, she's in serious trouble. Um, she's being jettisoned into space um, for whatever reason, and you know that it sort of starts you with that cliffhanger, and that takes you right the way through this 13 minute long short, uh, and ends really nicely with with the the reveal on it, but also leaves you with enough to sort of want a bit more. Um, And it kind of feels professionally done. It looks good. Overall, I was really impressed with it. Uh, And I'm, as I said, definitely looking forward to the next episode. What did you think? Um, I thought it was
0: fantastic. Go ahead, Damien, you first.
2: Okay. Uh, I was going to say, I I really enjoyed the banter between the characters because it felt really natural. Mm. Uh, I didn't know who the voice actors were, so thank you for other information that kind of explains why it's so
1: yeah i well, had to swarmed. look it
2: up <laughs> <laughs> but um i just thought it was really well written and it made it interesting because you 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 know these two characters re- are very close just f- the moment they start talking and that, that kind of dra- dragged me into it almost immediately um and then it just carries on all throughout the the entire episode um and like you, I want part two now because I want to know what happens next. And I looked at the date and it's only just been released, so I imagine it's going to be a little while before we see part two. uh, Which is a little bit disappointing, but I subscribe because I want to see it. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Oh, and it also also had the effect of making me update star citizen so that I can give it a try because I really want to see what I can do with it.
3: Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm glad because I think that would be a, you, you love to tell science fiction stories. So I think that would work really well with you, Damien.
1: Thank you. What did you think Ricky?
3: I think it was a fantastic machinima. Um, You know, we talked last uh, episode about the importance of story Mm. and script um, all of us here know the uh, phenomena of being in an insulated community in which people share their films and you say they're good just because that's, you know that's what everybody wants to hear. And um, this is one of the films that can stand on its own. There's it, Aside from some rendering issues of the face, mm-hmm. textures in the faces, this could be a professional production. In fact, when I was watching it, I, I couldn't help uh, think I wish I could bring Hugh back to watch this film mm. because I think he would just be so elated about what you what they could do, especially with the facial tracking. Yes, I mean he tried so hard to try to get good performances. Within his uh, films, and and he talked about that a lot. And here, it's built right into the uh, the the program, the game. Mm-hmm. Everything about the about the production stood out. The excellent acting, suspenseful story, uh, believable and compelling characters. The flashback structure um, worked really well. It's mainstream. Um, uh, it's a mainstream story. Perhaps it doesn't have quite the imaginative or experimental quality that I admire in so much of filmmaking. But that aside, that's just a personal preference. I I was completely involved in this, and I was really impressed with... And, and as somebody who, who reads science fiction regularly, um, is up to date it's really well done. And it made me think about star citizen as a, mm-hmm. a a really great mechanism for making machinima. It's a, it's just a fantastic medium and I'm, I'm going to look into it. So excellent choice, Tracy. It, it's a really, really good, good film. I can't wait to see the second episode. Mm.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't often feel that way, Ricky, after watching, let's say your average 10 to 15 minute machinima where it's like, I want more right now, you know, uh, that was, that was what this film did. Yeah. It just, a lot of times when we talk about good acting in machinima, it's, it's it's so much about the voice um, and, you know, okay. So there, there may be some animations that were done or whatever, but it, really the performance we talk about is the voice. And yes. what was, yeah, what was so wonderful about this one was, that there was more to the voice performances were fantastic, but there was more to the captured. When we say acting in this film we really mean it like it's, it's almost as close yes. to yes. acting as, as real time as real live action acting can be. I mean the mm-hmm. face that the, the expressions that the, it, it was just so absorbing, wonderfully done. Yeah, uh, And the story uh, so intriguing so far, I'm, I'm, I'm a gigantic sucker for any father, son or parent child relationship (laughs) stories. I'm probably the only person that you know who will admit that they openly weep almost every time they watch return of the Jedi. When Luke takes off, when Luke takes off daddy's mask, you know, I'm not kidding. I, I, I cry at this whole notion of, this redemption redemptive action <laughs> and so yeah to see like like Damien said there was an authenticity to the relationship between this father and their daughter that yeah. was just wonderful um that just right away I I stopped thinking about I had to watch it a second time to evaluate the quote-unquote machinima aspects of uh, it because uh. because it imme- almost immediately Uh, Once the initial cliffhanger was done and it started showing the relationship there, I forgot that I was watching Machinima. Mm. I I wasn't thinking about it that way. It was, I'm watching these two people in in this situation interact in a very real way. Damien's spot on. The banter is perfect. I mean, it's so believable. And I can't tell you how many times I watch something on television and don't feel that way. You know, that, that I kind of just put my head yep. in my hand and just go, what, who wrote this? You know, this is not how people talk in yeah, real life. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And this just nailed it. So, uh, yeah, I, I I have no idea. I'd never heard of these machinima makers before. I'd never seen anything made in Star Citizen. And no. frankly, the first time I watched it, I, 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 I didn't even think about Star Citizen at all. It was the story really transcended it and it's very, 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 very rare that machinima pulls that off. And frankly, it's somewhat rare that, that professionally produced television serials pull that off. So I was, I I could not have been more impressed and I cannot wait for, to, to, to watch the conclusion of this story unfold. I'm very, very excited for it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Let's hope it doesn't take too long because I think that's probably one of the the downsides of, at the like development to, in the way that they are doing
2: probably I'd like to add just a little bit to so anyone who's watched this video after our review and feels inspired to try out star citizen the developers of star citizen actively encourage creative fans to do content like this because oh, wow. they yeah. they want to players to feel like that, the, um, that they're basically creating their own part of the star citizen world and so they want people to tell their own stories in it and videos like this is exactly what they want to see so it's even more reason to, to give it a try.
0: So they don't just tolerate it. They actually openly encourage it.
2: Yeah. It goes back wow. to when the the crowdfunding just finished and they had no, they obviously had no game to show. So they were doing these weekly videos saying, well, we've got our office set up and um, here's the hardware being delivered and all, all that kind of stuff. And so fans would start sending in questions saying, is the game going to have this feature or whatever? And they would ask, answer those every week. And then fans started sending videos of themselves sometimes dressing up in sort of futuristic costumes as if they were part of this world uh, and doing it. And it just grew from there because they loved these videos and just carried on encouraging people to be creative. And it got to this point. Yeah. Wow. Well,
3: it's certainly exciting and uh, very, very impressive work. One thing I I would like to recommend to them um, is that in order to, Keep the disappointment that we're all expressing about not having a second episode quickly Rather than getting the first one out and then starting production on the second one Get three or four in the can already That way you can if you have a a strong response to the first one, you've got the second one ready to go Yeah So I think that's a better production philosophy than make one and then wait
1: well, that may be what they're doing, but I, but you know, I I suspect not. I suspect they're just seeing what the reaction might be. But I think well, it's pretty impressive.
3: Well, I'm jumping up and down and clapping my hands and screaming. So let's get it, <laughs> let's get it <laughs> going, guys. Gosh, Come on, Ricky,
1: that, that, you don't normally do that for my picks. <laughs>
3: <laughs> what? Well, there's, there's always an exception.
1: I know. I know. <laughs> So, well, Tracy, you, you have lightly? two
0: picks this week. Yeah, go I ahead do. and tell us about yeah, the second one. Yeah, I was going to say.
1: Well, this one, this one, um, I don't know what your attitude to um, rock, heavy rock might be. Uh, this one's called "Age of Godless." It's made in iClone Seven. It's a music video. Uh, it's made by Dark Machine Audio Pictures, otherwise known as Mark Johnson. We all know Mark Johnson, uh, and it includes remastered footage from two um two of his previous films, one being scarlet lake uh which was featured on t m uh t m underground if you remember i think around twenty sixteen uh and that was a feature length uh film noir style piece that i think we'll probably have a look at that um in a in a future episode uh, and also his plague angels um film as well now this one it's a really dark i think eh, sort of well, I was torn. Is it soft rock? Is it heavy rock? I think it's probably heavy rock song, anyway. Um, and I suppose we could say another religion-based machinima, <laughs> uh, but it's it's clearly drawing on dark theme and adds this sort of adds to that kind of pathos by sort of making the images black and white. It's a music video. It uses very powerful words and images to really portray the artist's intended sentiment, and it's about loss, whether through death or some kind of relationship meltdown. Uh, and the anger uh, at the loss, which is turned to frustration with the, with the lack of response from a god or a, uh, in, in, a, in a kind of hour of need type story. That's how I interpreted it. Um, images are all kinds of darkness, from depression to devils to filth and degradation, to death itself and it and it's filmed in the darkest hour of the day the dead of night it's well done I think it's powerful um, it it kind of fills a gap in our need for heavy rock that I've not really heard for quite a, quite a quite a number of years actually um you wouldn't want to listen to it um, very often to be honest um, but it probably has a role what did you think <laughs> deathly silent
2: <laughs> I was interested because I'd, I I kind of missed the part where it said, I know it says it in the title. I didn't look at the title. I would just watch the video, which uh-huh. is terrible. I was watching it. And I thought it was part second life and part GTA five. Mm-hmm. Um, the one that was set in LA cause it had all the weather mm-hmm. and everything. Um, so it's interesting to see that it had, uh, I seven content as well. Mm. Uh, so, um, it's interesting to see that someone's taken these three platforms and combined them now I know why because he used footage from previous projects mm. uh, and I think the the three of them those, those three engines worked really well together which you wouldn't really expect
0: yeah honestly uh, i I didn't even I didn't detect the seams like <laughs> yeah. uh, watching it I didn't know that the footage was from from multiple 3d engines and I don't know if I just didn't have my uh, critical thing flipped on the same way because I just watched A Drift before that, <laughs> but yeah, I didn't. I, I, it it did it visually. It all just fit together, uh, and yeah, making going the black and white route helped with mm-hmm. that, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, visually, uh, um, I, I really liked it. Uh, <clears throat> the 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 song I felt like that the, uh, the lyric was like a, uh, it read more like a poem, mm. like maybe not one that's, that was intended to be a song and that when it came time to adapt it to song, th- the music was kind of shaped around the poem instead of there being more of a full integration. And so basically the, Mm-hmm. the lyric i felt like I, I wish that the lyric had been more lyrical if you know what i mean mm-hmm. um whereas it you know the message of it was 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 clear um uh, like you said tracy it came through it's it's quite heavy um, um heavy in in uh, in terms of emotional content um, so that that's my only if it's a criticism it, it's just It probably just comes down to preference, but I just I I didn't get a real lyrical quality off of the lyric, if that makes any sense at all. But I got the point and visually it was it was uh, I thought effective and it felt the emotion there felt authentic, like it felt like uh, not put on, you know, a lot of times anger in in rock music doesn't feel that way.
1: It feels just a like, shouty, doesn't it? It, sometimes. it
0: feels like, yeah, uh, this is the sound we're supposed to have. So let's mm. be really ticked off about this, that, or the other. Mm. Uh, this felt very personal, uh, and, and came from a real place. And I really respect that. I, I, re- I respect that more than the songwriter nitpickiness in me goes, well, it could have been a little prettier if that makes any sense. Uh, so yeah, I, 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 I thought it was effective and, uh, uh, my my hats off to uh, anybody who's going to p- put themselves out there with this kind of very raw uh, emotion that that more people experience than talk
1: about. Mm, absolutely, Ricky.
3: Well, I'm embarrassed and I apologize to say that somehow this didn't get on my list of things to watch, Tracy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, never mind.
3: I'm really sorry about that. I, I went through everything and somehow I just didn't see it as one of your films, so I don't have anything to say, and um, I'm kind of embarrassed about that. I'm sorry.
1: Well, we'll cut that. I think what we should
0: do, and we should do in the future, is what we talked about off air, which is when when it comes to that situation, and someone hasn't watched one of the films, they have to give their talk based entirely on the thumbnail. (laughs) <laughs> so next time we'll do that but the fun part will be the fun part will be is that let's say I hadn't watched a film and you guys had then I should have to go first Yes. <laughs> and so I talk about the film based on the thumbnail and then find out from you guys how wrong I was
2: Absolutely. Yeah, I just want to pick films now with thumbnails that are so different from the film itself. Maybe just have the time. No pictures or anything.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Well it's
2: the same way with posters. When you look
3: at a poster for a film versus what the actual film is, it's just really silly. Yes. (laughs) Yes.
0: Well Ricky, I'm gonna assume that you had time to watch your own pick. Yes. So
3: (laughs) why don't you go ahead? (laughs) Yes. Well um You know, the first, the main pick is Autumn in the City by Story Nest Sims. And I chose this film because, uh, for several reasons, we were been talking a lot about um, how machinima can be an excellent short form for telling a story. We were also talking about community, the importance of community in putting together a film. And although it isn't the type of film that I normally am attracted to. I found myself coming back to it. It's a short film. It's only a minute and 15, maybe 20 seconds. I kept watching it over and over again. um, And I found myself just entranced by it because of its simplicity. Essentially, it's about a a woman. It's shot in Sims, Sims 4. It's about a young woman who is out in the autumn, raining, she goes into a a coffee shop, she's got a book and a cup of coffee and she's kind of bored with the book and she seems a little lonely. And then suddenly her bunch of her friends show up and they're all laughing and they say hi. And she's feels good again because she's got her friends there. And that's it. That's the story. It made me think of sort of an illustration for an Edward Hopper film, Edward Hopper painting, you know, like Nighthawk Diner where the uh, people are sitting at the counter and, you know, they all have different stories. I kept wondering about this young woman's story. It's not a perfect film. There are problems with it. The goofy Sims animation thing. It's not entirely wordless, although most of it's wordless, which I, I like a lot. The camera moves way too much. I think every shot has the camera moving but there's just something about it that made me really enjoy watching it and gave me a feeling. And whenever a, a, a work, somebody creates something in which I respond to emotionally, I'm attracted to that. So I wanted to share that with you guys uh, and also get your reactions. What did you think of it?
1: Well, it's certainly raining. <laughs> <laughs> is it? I mean, you know, in the UK, is it September or April for rain? Usually April here, but not September. Usually, anyway. Not. I wasn't sure about what the language was that the characters were speaking. Um, in, in
3: Sims, they have a special gibberish language that they use. Oh,
1: okay. Simlish,
0: I think they call it. Yeah. Simlish, Simlish yeah. they
3: call it. Yeah.
1: Well, I, I think what was kind of interesting here is what what the role of the the characters actually are, given that it's the rain that's the dominant feature in the video so it's you know so so much much of that rain really um to me it's kind of both metaphorically and literally drowning out all the other sound in the machinima um so i wasn't quite sure what what to make of it because you kind of almost hear a bit of background um but mostly what you hear is rain from slightly different perspectives so it's 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 you know is it, is it is that a, a, an issue with the the balance of the sound i don't think so to me the character was the rain um and, it, hmm. and it's the, that's the thing that that drove it um and i have to say the sound of rain is pretty convincing um it's not a film that i was particularly attracted to but the the sound of rain from different angles did kind of capture it. It did feel like, ooh,
2: I've go got my brolly out <laughs> Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed this film and it's, it's very short, um, but it kind of just sets the autumn atmosphere quite nicely. And obviously it is autumn right now, uh, or fall for American listeners. Um, so it what you see there is the rain and she's going to that coffee shop and um, it's it's basically what we're living through right now is it's autumn and um it just felt like a little bit of a taste of that um and i see a lot of my friends are excited because it's autumn and halloween and all the leaves coming down uh, and so on and i just felt like another part of that so it's a charming little film i don't really have a lot to say from it from a technical spe- perspective i just think it captures the atmosphere of this time of year quite nicely
0: yeah, I, I get the impression that's what it was intended to do is capture a feeling, mm. not tell a story. Yeah, uh, yeah. Not not do anything elaborate like that, just to capture a mood, a feeling. Um, and uh, and in in that sense, I think it was very effective at doing so. Uh, it was very well edited. Um, the the camera movement is a little bit too much, but that's a kind of a hallmark of of uh, younger filmmaker. Take a look at any of my early work holy crap what what was I doing <laughs> it's, like, it's like the camera was riding around on one of those Harry Potter broomsticks for Quidditch I just <laughs> th- by by comparison this is quite tame so uh, anyway uh, you know but that's something that that uh, that a filmmaker will come to they learn to tame that you know uh, yeah, so yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. not worried about. I'm not worried about this filmmaker in that regard that that will come natural. The edit was nice. Uh the the fidelity of the imagery very well done. It really uh, uh it showcases uh how how pretty the uh settings and characters of the sims can be uh when when filmed right. So um yeah, I I enjoyed it and I d- I didn't feel like that it was I didn't feel like that the film was asking anything of me. You know what I'm saying? I, it was just something for me to be there and, and kind of experience my interpretation of what that, that feeling was. And I kind of had a similar reaction to it that Damien described mm-hmm. that, that it was relatable um, and it wasn't trying to really say anything. And yeah. weirdly, when done like this, that's okay. Yeah, you know? I, I think yeah. I think in other contexts, I would be critical of a film that it's not saying anything, you know, but not everything does. Or maybe this is a way of saying that I don't really think about much, you know, right. it's not about it's not about changing something or making a point. Yeah, I, it's I just think, capture capture I think of a feeling
3: one of the things that I, I think machinima filmmakers should consider when they're making a film is that they don't have to emulate popular forms of stories and political points and heavy characterization and conflict. They can make essay films or feeling films mm-hmm. in which they're just a gesture of something. Yes. A quick gesture. And I think those things are oftentimes, even though they don't have the high dramatic content in it and they may not be as memorable as say, uh, the, uh, uh, Adrift, uh, which is uh, such a well-done film, it's still, there's, there's something appealing about it, and it's also a learning process, you know? Mm-hmm. You make these feelings where you, you make a, sh- make a short essay film in which you share your feelings about something. I think that's what machinima is about. Is, it's what separates it from the popular media forms, because it's a personal expression of something. And I think that's what appealed to me about it. I'm in the fall. I love the fall. I think maybe that's what caught my eye mm. as I was watching it. Yeah, but uh,
0: it's your
3: story Story Nest Sims has a lot of really fun films in it. Look, quite a few of them are romantic, uh, but they're 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 all well done and they're interesting. And I encourage you to check it out. Well uh, My second. My second pick is really not a pick; it's more of an honorable mention, and I, I don't want to get into a detailed thing about it. I just like the the way it was done. It's called Unmetal Machinima Metal Gear Parody, Chapter One: The Great Escape. It's done by a, a group called Crime Flix F L I X, and the reason why I liked it, um, it, it it doesn't stand up to real scrutiny. You know, there are problems with it. The, uh, it's very slow-paced, uh, voice acting is sometimes not so good, um, and the overall story, it lacks the sort of pace and, and editing that you could really make it work. But what I liked about it is its combination of cut, cut scene and um, dialogue from the original game, Metal Gear Solid. And done in a way that uh, I hadn't seen before um, using actual footage from a top-down gameplay with uh, custom content and voice acting I just I thought it was quite unique and and I just wanted to share that with people so they could see what an interesting combination because it comes together seamlessly I think and it's a lot of fun
2: yeah i I watched it I thought. I don't remember ever seeing two D machinima before ever. Mm. Is it? We're always using three D engines for the stories we want to tell, no matter what kind of video we're making. So seeing something that's done in two dimensions with a two dimensional game is so different and unusual that I can see why you chose it because it's so unique. And I, I enjoyed the the story as well. It was qu- quite entertaining. It kind of pokes fun at the action. Um, films and <laughs> games because they can be quite silly so it is deliberately poking fun of them and that, 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 that was great so you've got this unusual take on filmmaking plus that humour and um, like Adrift I want to see part two because I just really enjoyed um, this particular video
1: yeah I mean it, it, for me it had nice storytelling I quite liked the voiceovers actually um, what to me, they were doing was a cinematic conversion of the game and just putting a bit of a story over it. But it had a kind of decidedly comic book feel to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, with, with really heavy accents. Um, I think the only thing I, I thought by, by the time I got to the end of it, 13 minutes for this one was long. Um, yeah. And then it said to be continued. And quite frankly, (laughs) I'd already reached the end of the story. And none
3: of
1: the jokes closed out. Not a single one. So parody in style, but not fully in execution, I felt.
3: Pace was the big problem.
1: Mm.
3: Because in comedy, when you're doing satire, you have to have a faster pace. And you have to have comic timing. And it didn't have that.
1: Mm. Exactly.
0: It's challenging to achieve that. Yeah, yes. it, it, yeah. It, yeah, it's underestimated sometimes the, the the amount of craft to do that timing. I, I recall a, a discussion we had a few episodes ago, Ricky, when you were talking about was it farce? Your experience uh-huh. with with someone trying to do farce in in uh, in the in the theater context, uh, and yeah, comic timing is the same thing. It's it's a very strange craft that there's not really any mathematics to it it's it's all feel and uh yeah Yeah. i i I don't envy anyone who would try to teach someone else how to do that can
1: you teach it i think i don't know i
3: i I don't think you can i think it's you you can recognize it when it happens and you can remember the rhythm of it and then repeat that but teaching someone how to do it how to hit that punchline when it comes in no, because yeah. not every not every single punchline is the same. No. You know what I mean? Like, for yeah. example, on stage in particular, if you have people that respond to a laugh and then you've got a second joke after that, if you come in too soon with the laugh, it's going to be covered by the applause or the laughter. You have to wait until yeah. the laughter is coming down. And as it's coming down, then you kick in the second one. You can't teach that. You just have to see it that's one reason why some
0: practice too i think it comes with practice and yeah which which should be encouraging to uh uh, the makers of this film if they're seeing what we're saying is some kind of heavy criticism it's not it's an acknowledgement that that what they're trying to do here is is not easy but Mm. keep at it because practice will tighten those things up and make that, make those things go better. Yeah. Yeah.
3: They're, they made a, b- a statement, uh, crime flicks. They have a lot of movies on their YouTube channel. I, I really recommend them. Um, here's what they said about making, uh, met- this metal gear parody. They said, as usual, I captured relevant, unmetal uh, unmental gameplay, action packed sequences, important dialogue and cutscenes to create a fluid cinematic experience, a game movie. We often modify the game engine with and or graphics use voice actors and or additional sound effects and even program scripts to control other actors and cameras to enrich the viewing experience even more. So obviously they're using machinima tools with the game itself and then cutscenes in the game and then putting them together in a creative Mm -hmm. fashion. And, um, that's what I liked most about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, I, as an honorable mention, I just wanted the people to, to be aware of it. 2D is still a very viable way to do machinima. This is a way to combine it. It's excellent.
1: Yeah.
0: Damien, tell us about your pick this week.
2: Right, so after last month, we were discussing, obviously we had the horror theme. And one of the things we were discussing is that you don't see too many horror machinima made with horror games. So I deliberately set out even though we thought we should move past Halloween at this point, <laughs> I deliberately set out to find something that was made in a horror game. And it's really difficult. I think part of it is to build the atmosphere of a horror game, you have to take a lot of control away from the player, which means the, end, the game engine isn't that suited to be creative with because you just mm-hmm. don't have the over the anything in, in the world. But I found um, this Alien Isolation Wrap by rocket gaming featuring music by JT music who we've seen before uh, right. in the show. And it uses a combination of some of the promotional videos that were made to promote the game, but also in game footage of captured specifically for this video. Um, and it's pretty much the only thing I could find with that's made for this game. That was not a let's play video. Cause there's plenty of people playing the game and, um, getting scares from when the alien attacks them and so on. But there's nothing that actually tries to be just a short video in a creative sense. So this is what I found. And uh, I was wondering what you guys thought of it.
1: Well, you know what JT Machinima or JT Music as they're now called, they always impress me always. (laughs) And this is another great music video. Although the, the, the music doesn't quite fit that kind of horror alien spaceship no, no. environment the original story and all that it just doesn't quite go together and this this isn't about ripley herself is it? it's, it's it's um it's the daughter of isn't it from what yeah. i understand
2: yeah the plot of the game is her daughter is is i think it's about 15 years after the first film her daughter's been grown up without her mum because right. her mum's still asleep for 57 years between the films. So oh, she goes okay. looking for her mother, uh, and they found the flight recorder's been picked up from the ship and taken to the space station. So she goes to the space station to get hold of the recorder, and when she gets there, everything has gone wrong because there's an alien on board, uh, and it's been killing everyone. <laughs> so you're kind I of see. put into the survival situation where you're also trying to find out what happened to your mother.
1: Got you. Well, okay, yeah. and that would explain then why they're using the original tagline from the from the Alien film, seventy nine film, "In space, no one can hear you scream." Yeah. Uh, okay, so yeah, I suppose in that sense it does capture the sense of of horror, but yeah. but the but the music and that just didn't quite work for me. Yeah. That, except it, you know, it kind of does, but it kind of doesn't.
3: Well, there's a million yes. likes for ahead, this.
1: <laughs> a million,
3: there's a million likes for this on YouTube. Million, million views. million views. A million 12, views. 12,000 likes. 12,000 <laughs> likes so and 300, 352 not likes. Well, I'm going to make it 353.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Why?
2: I never said it was going to be a good film. I just thought <laughs> I wanted to see what was out there that was made. for Okay. This. Okay, and now we know why.
3: I get it. The uh, it's aligned with you, Tracy. The pop nature of the song removes any real creepiness or mood that the actual game and uh, story has. Yeah. When you have lyrics like "Alien Isolation," lost track of his motivation. Ouch. <laughs>
1: But this is the 2014
3: one, you know, they've got better, haven't they? Yes. The mismatch of styles puts me off because mm-hmm. they, they seem to, rather than blend together to create a, an experience that you can enter into, they seem to be competing against each other. Mm-hmm. So that's what made it hard for me to like it. Now, the, the actual footage, I liked. I thought it was really interesting. You know, but it just needed a different song. It needed a different. It just needed a new, a different type of music Do you for know it. What? We should
1: ask Mark Johnson to create the song for it. Dark Machine Audio. There you go. Age yeah. Age of Godless.
3: I like that. <laughs> Why not? So, at, at risk of hurting anyone's feelings, I'm just going to leave it at that. Three fifty three.
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna defer my feedback to uh, to my AI and see uh, see what see what I think. So hold on. Okay. I agree with Ricky a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, I think Actually, I agree you know, with Ricky a hundred percent. The fact that you two yeah. didn't
2: enjoy the film, well, and the, the fact the music doesn't really fit the style of the game, just illustrates the point I was trying to make. Was that yes. you can't make horror films. machinima with horror games because it's just so difficult Uh, ah yeah this is the only thing i could find made with that game and i wanted to use the game that i played to be make sure i was you know familiar with it i don't Uh, play too uh, many horror games i see what Um, you mean yeah so but
1: you just proved your point really
2: then
1: didn't you
2: yeah yep oh yeah well if it makes you feel any better
0: at while watching it i did put i i did put both hands to the side of my face and go (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: like something out of apocalypse now i don't know anyway
2: yeah
0: yeah no it just it just didn't it, I, I i i literally do agree 100 percent with ricky uh, that, that i i i ended up getting thrown off by the mismatch i i don't mean this as like sarcasm but when i watch it muted i i enjoyed a lot more because the 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 game footage is actually very interesting. I haven't played any of the alien games, but of course I've watched a lot of the movies over the years. Uh, And you know, the, 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 the way that it's rendered and the shininess of it and stuff, I can see how the game can effectively uh, create that environment that looks just like one of Ridley, Ridley Scott's sets, you know? So yeah, um, yeah. I can appreciate that much. And, And I think, if I listened, just listened to the song, I would enjoy that too, but the two of them together, it's like uh, yeah, it just for me, it just, just wasn't a great combo. Speaking of combo or combine, combos. combine. Oh, my nice pick.
1: Link. <laughs>
0: yeah. My pick uh, was, I think, in line with, with uh, a term that, that Ricky introduced when we were talking about Autumn in the City, and that is the idea of an essay film. Uh, I kind of feel like this maybe falls into that category. Um, it's, it's, it's titled, well, in, on YouTube, it's titled Just How Bad Is the Combine? And it's, it's a documentary, if you will, uh, that is, is kind of an attempt to study and elaborate on the human condition, the psychology and whatnot, of if humanity really were in the predicament as depicted in the world of half-life two, where, you know, this alien invasion has happened and there's this totalitarianism going on and, and everyone is suppressed and being used as resources and nothing much more, if you will. Um, and it's not something that I would think that I would enjoy, but I found before you knew it, it was done. Like I, I watched the whole thing. Uh, I just, I felt like that, uh, it was nicely thoughtful, uh, and and you know, kind of took you out of the game. And, and actually, it, it features uh, one of the scenes that Ricky has talked about for years that uh, really made a big impression on him when playing this game with the woman at the fence, waiting for, uh, looking for her missing husband, right. inquiring about him. He actually features that in the in the documentary as as mm-hmm. one of the examples. Um, there wasn't. There wasn't anything particularly innovative about it, about I'm not I'm not saying just the film, but even his his <laughs> observations. I think anybody who's played that game and really let themselves get immersed in that world, these are all things that you thought about. You know, it's part of what makes that world so disturbing and compelling at the same time. Um, so it, it it certainly wasn't a reinvention of anything there or there was no big Eureka moment for me anyway, but it was, it was nicely put together. It was, I kind of looked at it as if I wanted to explain to someone what, what humanity's situation was for this game, this film does a better job than I probably could in terms of Mm -hmm. focusing on the, the main points of, of why it was so difficult and, and you know, just how bad it was. And I think, even though he doesn't spend a lot of time calling direct attention to, let's say real world allegory, um, you know, to stuff that's talked about in, by novelists like Orwell over the years uh, of just how bad totalitarianism can get. That's definitely a message that came through, even -hmm. though this is science fiction and it's never really ever been like this anywhere, really. Uh, but, uh, I felt like that was done very cleverly, that it didn't, it wasn't preachy at all. I have no idea what the political stance of the guy is behind this. He's just observing. He's just telling what he sees. And uh, I, I liked it a lot. It's a very unusual pick for me, I'll admit. But uh, um, it, I, I really liked it. What did you guys think?
1: Oh, I thought it was a really well-done documentary. And I, I thought he, he narrated it particularly well. But to me, what it came over as is... Um, basically a political analysis of the strategy of this antagonistic group in the game these these combine um through which he then tried to get you to um position your own personal experiences not of the game itself but of how that might feel in real life yeah uh, and he calls that that sort of strategy one of um civil confusion and then goes on, on about um, how it's achieved to pacify a population in the game so that they won't hmm. revolt. And uh, and he says the characters are, are never empowered to revolt because they're continually divided up, that old thing about divide and conquer. Yes. I mean, these are real strategies. Uh, and yes. He, he really cleverly puts you in the game by asking you to think think about what it would be like to be a citizen in that environment. Uh, And he compares it to things like moving schools, moving to a new city and doing that continually to help you empathize with the characters and suggesting how difficult that might actually be. And he doesn't just do that with the citizens, but he does it with the soldiers in the game.
0: Yes. I found that really compelling Mm -hmm. when he
1: got into that,
0: the situation they're in. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And the, the control uh, and all of that kind of stuff by these terrible combine folks or uh, this kind of biological, biological entity. I don't know. Um, parasitic ent- entity is what he ended up calling it. And then the, the, then he kind of makes that kind of key point about it's a, a, you know, being a form of population control that must never happen in real life. And then you think, hang yes. on a minute, it actually has happened. This, you know, what he's, what he's just described in that first section is basically the genocide of the Jews in the second world war and it and it's it's really genuinely what is being described there, but then he moves it on to more sci-fi type tropes that kind of elevate the the, the you know the narrative more to sort of post apocalyptic kind of half- life two world um and I I quite like then how he talks about that world itself. He doesn't talk about it as a game. he talks about it as a the, the smart he describes it as the smartness of the cityscape um, and he talks about it in terms of architecture, biological structures, as well as the political structures and it kind of gives you I mean I've never actually played the game, but it gives you this kind of whole new level of insight into just how well done that game is. Very it's much. well beyond an advert for the game, because I doubt, really, if you just play it as you would normally, I doubt you would really pick up on all those kind of nuances, this kind of architectural, biological, you know, all these kind of structures that he's touching on. Um, and, I, you know, I would you think this guy has played it for years, studied it for years? I suspect he probably has.
0: I suspect um, so, yeah.
1: And certainly I learned a whole lot about that world um, that i would I certainly would probably never see if I were just to to play it. I think the only thing I'm not too or wasn't too clear on in the actual film itself was when it got to the end, there were these you know this massive line of credits and I, and I kind of thought, well, who are those people? Who are these names? At, at yeah, I didn't pay close it.
0: attention to that. I'll have to take another look at that.
1: Well, it, it, it turns out, I think what they are is patrons on his channel.
0: Yeah, uh, they are. Um, but they didn't have,
1: okay. you know, I thought, are these people that he's pulled on when he's creating this? Because there was just so many of them. So that didn't make a, an awful lot of sense to me. And it, in the end, what that did to me was took me out of thinking about the film and then thought about, well, who is it he's actually speaking to?
3: Hmm.
1: Um. And... You know, clearly he's got a close-knit community, but the thing that he's produced isn't about that community. It takes mm-hmm. it out of that community and presents it elsewhere. Hmm. So I was really impressed with this one, Ricky. I, I, I thought it was a really a very interesting um, film, documentary style. Fascinating.
2: My uh, thoughts on it were very similar to yours, Tracy, because uh, I haven't played the game either it did make me feel very glad not to live in that world. Mm. <laughs> mm. Um, but yeah, you, you kind of get a taste of when you're playing a game like this, how often do you actually stop and think about how did these bad guys that you're shooting at and they're shooting at you, how did they get there and what's going to happen to them if they fail to kill you? Um, you don't really think about that as a consequence yeah. of playing a game. <laughs> um, yeah. cause they're just there, you shoot them and then you move on. Um, so that's an interesting way to look at the world of the game and ask questions that when you're playing it, you probably don't stop and think about, but it's got me thinking, well, next time I play something, am I going to start thinking about the world around me in a way that I possibly didn't do before? Like how did those people get there and why are they trying to shoot me and what's going to happen to them? Um, if they survive and go back to their boss and say, Oh, I failed to kill the player. Um, or if they don't come back, what's going to happen to their families, which is something that was touched on yeah. in, in right. it. And, uh, yeah, I asks a lot of questions that you don't have some very uh, unpleasant answers that are part of it.
3: Well, this was my favorite film of the bunch, and I've been following Leadhead's commentary on Half Light for about a year now, so I was delighted. Oh, when wow, you... I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah
0: that's great.
3: Um I was delighted when you picked this film. I don't know why I ever didn't think of picking one, but I just didn't. But he has done this on a variety of levels and a variety of aspects. Half Life, he also does it for the first game, Half Life. And I think what he does is you're right, it's an essay documentary. But what he does is he combines two things that I think are just really admirable in uh, the way he thinks. So one is empathy. He has empathy for all of the characters and including the, uh, villain characters, the evil characters. Mm-hmm. He can see it from their point of view. Plus he has a very good memory. Like he pulls out a dialogue to illustrate a point that if you're playing through this fast moving, 'em up game, you're not going to pay attention to that. And yet he does. Mm -hmm. enough so that he's able to put those details together in a narrative, an empathetic narrative that gives you a way, a world, a view of this world. And you begin to start really deeply appreciating the work that was done by writer Mark Laidlaw, who was one of the main writers for the uh, uh, Half-Life world, you know, the background world. Mm -hmm. And I've been, over the years, I have been collecting information like this in a big large folder um, because it's just it's a it's a world that just fascinates me it's a world that I've always been intrigued with and it captures my imagination I want to go back to it all the time and uh, so I, I was very impressed with this essay and there were actually I Again, I'm a person who's been following the story and been thinking about this world. And I've played the game maybe a dozen times, you know. And there were aspects that he talked about that I had missed, you know, which I thought was amazing, amazing. And it gave me such a feeling of sadness and, and I don't know what the word is, just angst. And it reminded me, God, what must it have been like in World War Two with all of those displaced people and people being grabbed and shot if they right on the spot if they disagreed or people lining up like story after story of Jews lining up in a line and to be shot. Mm. And you think, well, why would they do that? Well, Laidlaw obviously had a great knowledge of world war two and incorporated that as, as part of the background story in half life Two, Yeah. And it, and as machinima looking at it as machinima and as a form of let's play essay, I think it's a marvelous way to share your, your ideas about a game, but also your feelings about a game. And uh, on that level, it's really, really impressive and uh, moving. Uh, so a really excellent choice, Phil. Really so glad you picked it.
0: I think my favorite detail that he focused on that did raise my eyebrows because I had never paid much attention to it is when he was parsing out the, uh, the female announcer's voice that would come over the PA every once in a while and yes. these different basically meaningful transmissions that I think most players, myself included, just took as kind of just a subliminal part of the atmosphere kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And when Mm -hmm. he went through and dissected those and you realize, at least through his interpretation, what the significance of those were, it was, it gave me chills. Yeah. And, and really, just like you said, Ricky, that the appreciation for the writer or writers behind that world. Yeah. Just amazing, amazing detail. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and the other little detail, Did you pick up on the um, the sound of children laughing when you get oh, close to? Yeah, the, yeah. Amazing detail. Mm. Yeah,
0: yeah.
3: No wonder Wonderful. that game was so important, so mm. so game changing. <laughs> you know, yeah. they use yeah. that phrase: "This is a game changer." This really. was a game changer. Yeah, there, there are moments that are in that game. Um, in my mind that are like dreams that I've had. I can't sep- I can't separate that, the gameplay from my dream. Wow.
0: Mm. Yes. Beautiful. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up our films discussion for this month. Um, we, we greatly value you, the listener, your feedback. And there's a few different ways that you can get in touch with us um, w- via email. Uh, we have a discord channel. We have a, uh, a voicemail option that if you leave a, a message for us on there with either a question or a comment, um, we may just play it on the air and comment yeah. um, right back at you. Yeah. So, uh, all of those features are, uh, links to those and, and information about those are available on our website, which is completely machinima.com and just click on talk. And that'll take you to the list of the current ways you can get in touch with us. We'd love to hear what you think of the show and if you've got ideas or you've got a, a, a film that's just really knocked your socks off and you want us to know about it uh, send us a link to it. Yeah. Um, thanks very much to my co-hosts uh, Damien, Tracy and Ricky. It's been such a pleasure talking to each of you today. Yes, you love Always talking is. about films.
1: Great show today. Thank you very much.
0: Yeah, thank you all. We'll talk to you next time.
2: Bye. Bye. Bye.